no matter what happens in this, something is going to come out of it and, and God's going to use that for good. Do you need a spiritual spark? Are you feeling run down or run over? Are you ready to eliminate the spiritual ups and downs? This is Fresh Faith in Real Life. Let's restore life in your walk with Christ. We'll dive into our featured guest interviews, biblical devotional thoughts, answers to your questions, and more. Your walk with Christ isn't meant to be a performance. It's all about relationship. Let's get to know Jesus and experience fresh faith in real life. Here's John Fugler. Hello and welcome to episode number 23. This week, what do you want to be when you grow up? How Christ shows up when life is interrupted. The courage to be humble. Our guest tells us how his life-threatening challenge has given him a platform to share Christ. And I want your recommendations. This is Fresh Faith in Real Life, a ministry of Fresh Faith 24-7. I'm John Fugler on a quest to know Jesus and help a million believers know him too. I'm the author of a devotional series called Your Life with God, a lifelong Christian media guy. I'm a husband, father, and grandfather of eight, and personally, I want to know Jesus more each day. Paul said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'm also the CEO of Fresh Faith 24-7, where we lead you on a path to freedom in your walk with Christ. You know, there are some great podcasts out there, and I believe they will encourage you in your walk with Christ if you can find them. And I've found a few of them. From time to time, I'll be hooking us up with the hosts of those podcasts for two-minute check-ins so you can get an inside look. So look forward to that feature coming up. And as you know, my heart is to help people know Christ. And I want to introduce you to resources that will do that. And since you're a podcast listener, hey, <laughs> that's a good place to start, right? So, uh, But my question to you, what are your favorite podcasts? What are those kind of podcasts that help you in your walk with Christ? If you've got some, let me know, because I'm always on the hunt for excellent podcasts, and I'll refer them uh, to our listeners. Uh, I interviewed, a, I was interviewed as a guest on another podcast. It was called Refuge Freedom Stories. I had that interview a couple weeks ago. My interview doesn't come out until September, though. Hope I'm still around then. <laughs> but there are some powerful real-life testimonies on that show. I listened to some of those. You can check it out. Again, it's Refuge Freedom Story, so that's a recommendation. This week's episode is all about stealing, because I'm going to do that with today's guest. <laughs> no, not really. Not, not really. It's not our focus. It's not our focus, but you will see what I mean when I talk to you about stealing, okay? You're on the Fresh Faith and Real Life podcast. Um, <laughs> okay, well, uh, as, as I've said, knowing Christ, that's the focus of what we do here, and it really is, is my heart, and I really believe that that's the secret to life, knowing Christ, and life with a capital L. I firmly believe that. No matter what you're struggling with, what you're dealing with, whether it just be as simple as stress, or maybe it's worry, fatigue or something more serious as hopelessness, uh, discouragement, maybe loneliness, lack of purpose, failure. Maybe you're having a tough time with your faith even. 
or there could be some digital addiction or burnout, whatever those things are, doesn't matter. I really believe that knowing Christ is the secret to life and that as we lean into Jesus and get to know him more deeply, he'll address these things in our life because he's there for us. My mission in life is to help a million believers know the Christ of the cross, and that's why I spend my time writing the fresh bread for fresh faith devotionals that I send out three times a week. I point readers to Jesus as they start the day. If you're getting those, I hope you're enjoying those. Hopefully it's making a difference in your life. If you're not getting them, I'll I'll send them to you. It'll be in your inbox early in the morning. And these aren't long devos. No, they're, they're not theological dissertations. No, they just take 60 seconds to read through, and it's a springboard to start your day centered on Christ. Not a replacement for your quiet time, but a way to center on Christ and deal with those things that are robbing you of capital L-I-F-E. So you can sign up for Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith. Click the link in the show notes or go to freshfaith247.com. And in the menu, there's a a fresh bread button, and you can click that. Or as I said, click it in the show notes. Now, our fresh bread segment this week ties into the theme this month at Fresh Faith 24-7, and that theme is courage. Courage to be humble is the subject today. And I, I go to the teacher in the classroom, second grade class, asking this age-old question, what do you want to be when you grow up? (laughs) I want to be a fireman, one boy answered. A doctor, a little girl said. I'm going to be a baseball player, chimed in a third. That, That would have been me. In the back row, an anxious boy frantically waved his hand. You know, there he is, waving it, waving it. And the teacher says, Jimmy, yes? I want to grow up to be humble, he blurted out. (laughs) Uh, Doctors, teachers, athletes, firemen, and astronauts are kids' dreams, but I don't think any child chooses humble as a career. But it does take courage to be humble, just as it does to operate on a patient or swing a bat in the World Series or run into a burning house. I'm convicted when I read this clear warning. In James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And this one, in humility, value others above yourselves. That's from Philippians 2, 3. Then God brings it home by saying that I'm supposed to be like Jesus who humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In Philippians 2, 8. Wow, I'd rather be an astronaut. (laughs) There's no room for self-centeredness in Jesus' economy. Uh, when, when push comes to shove, I'm not supposed to do the pushing and shoving. If I stick up for my rights, I better be careful I'm not violating Jesus' humility standard. Humility means I'm giving things up constantly. I'm esteeming others above myself, sacrificing my interest to help a friend pursue his, and forgiving first instead of waiting to be forgiven. So do you see why a humble life takes courage? (laughs) You might be mocked, misunderstood, even walked on. Jesus was. Nice reward for humility, huh? A reward isn't here. It's in heaven. A courageous heart sees the eternal. 
living this way doesn't happen overnight or in a year or two years. I believe it takes a lifetime. Day by day, communing with Jesus, the most humble person ever to walk on this earth. Micah 6, 8 says, And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Oh my, that takes courage. When I grow up, I want to be humble. Well, there you go. That starts things off for this episode. And uh, again, if you want to sign up for the Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith devotional, click the link in the show notes or go to freshfaith247.com and I'll deliver that to you. Fresh, early in the morning, three days a week. Humility is a great transition to our featured interview. When I heard our guest tell his story, I could tell he was a great example of a humble man. And he could be proud because he's talented, he's risen to the top, and he's had tremendous blessings. But when you hear his heart, you'll see that David is an ordinary guy in a major league world. Uh, First, some backstory on this. I mentioned earlier that there are some great podcasts out there, and one of them is Sports Spectrum. I made contact with a host recently. His name is Jason Romano. I said I was so moved by his interview with Major League pitcher David Hess. I said my listeners need to hear it, and I believe that. Even if you're not a sports fan, stick around. This interview is more than sports, so I stole the interview. I did. <laughs> There's that stealing theme I told you about, but but yes, I did it with Jason's permission. Thank you, Jason Romano. That was gracious of you. And Sports Spectrum, I'll tell you, they do an amazing job of interviewing Christian athletes. Jason goes deep into their walks with the Lord, asks some great questions, excellent stories out there. And I'll put a link in my show notes to the Sports Spectrum podcast. Highly recommend it to you. They release new episodes three times a week in all the podcast apps. I'm doing mine once a week. I don't know how they do three times a week, but hats off to them. How do you handle life when your plans are dashed? When a health issue puts life on hold or when tragedy hits and you have to come up with a plan B or even hope to survive? Well, that's David Hess' story. He was having a great career until something life-threatening happened that brought it all to a sudden halt. His baseball career was put on hold. And this interview that we're going to hear in a moment, he walks us through the details. So let's pick up the interview Jason Romano had with David Hess. Let's start with a year ago, basically, in the spring of 2021, you were pitching with the Marlins, you were pitching with the Rays, and you kind of had a, you know, a typical sort of baseball journey in 2021. You were up and then you were kind of having these different opportunities with a few different teams. Where were you a year ago, let's say health-wise, during the season mm-hmm. as you were ramping up for, for 2021? Yeah, I mean, um, I actually, you know, in a lot of ways felt really good going into the year. Um, that was, you know, I, I became a free agent that off season and uh, was excited to be a part of the Rays organization and kind of get to work and got a normal off season in, um, you know, was going into camp. I was throwing harder than I had in the past and I was feeling really good really through that entire time, uh, you know, in the, in the spring and early on in the season, I, I didn't really notice anything. Um, I, I kind of here and there could tell, you know, I thought I was just getting, little bit older um you know I hear stories and 
I'm not, you know, old by any means, but listen to people talk about how they get closer to 30. And that's when your body starts to kind of feel things a little bit more from a baseball standpoint. And so I just kind of chalked it up to, you know, all right, there's a little bit more aches and pains and, and things going on. And uh, then, you know, kind of as the season progressed, uh, stuff just kind of uh, became a little bit worse. But I, again, just, you know, being stubborn, I guess, as I am, uh, I thought maybe with COVID going around um, that, you know, maybe I know we, we had a little uh, bit of that when I was in Miami going through the clubhouse. And so I thought maybe like I had it just was asymptomatic and it, I had something going on that I didn't understand. And uh, yeah. yeah. Kind of turned out that I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, because it was right after the season, right? When you discovered something was not just wrong, but seriously wrong. Yep, yep. And so that's where um, it actually, you know, dated back uh, when I was in Miami. Um, there, there was one game in particular. Uh, my wife ended up not coming to this game. She just watched from uh, the apartment. And uh, on TV, she said that, you know, I, I like bent over to pick up the rosin bag or something. And she said that my face just became like really, really flushed, uh, just really red. And she could just tell something was wrong. And her parents also were watching the game and, and my family and said the same thing. And so I got home and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Why? And she like explained that to me. And, you know, I, I, again, just thinking that nothing's wrong with me, you know, being, being, I guess, arrogant in some senses. And, uh, I was just like, I'm fine. Like, why, why would you think anything's wrong with me? And, and so I joke around now and say the moral of that story is always listen to your wife because they're always right. And uh, it, true. Took, it took a lot to get to that point, I guess. But um, and so, you know, then I, I guess like pretty much at the time, the start of when I got traded to Miami, it just seemed like I started to kind of feel things more and more. Um, and, and it started to affect my performance. And I remember there were a handful of times I got on the mound and I just felt completely out of breath, which is very abnormal for me. I, you know, I pride myself in the shape that I'm in. And I feel like just as an athlete, we kind of have to, you know, be able to handle quite a bit, but I kept telling myself just get to the off season. And by this point I'd been DFA'd by Miami and I had signed back with Durham. And then there was a series of kind of call-ups and send-downs and all that stuff for the last few weeks. And so, you know, as, as the symptoms kind of got a little bit heavier, uh, I just thought it was stress. You know, I, I, again, just writing it off and no big deal. I'm all right. And uh, so then I, you know, got to the offseason, got home. Um, and, and I think from a mentality standpoint, knowing I got to that point and I could kind of like breathe a little bit more, um, just kind of like – all right, we made it through. Mm -hmm. I think that's when everything really, really hit because I ended up, you know, two days into the off season, uh, just going for a run or what I thought was going to be a run. And, uh, about a minute in, if even that, I just, I, I had barely made it out of our neighborhood. And I mean, hands on my knees, just gasping for air. Like I, I felt like I had run a marathon and I'd, like I said, run just about a minute. And, uh, wow. so that was, that was really, again, super abnormal. And that was the point where, you know, it kind of came to a head and I was like, okay, I'm going to make a doctor's appointment. And sure enough, you know, I, I think in a good, it, it, it's scary the way it happened, but it's good because I ended up coughing up blood the next morning in the shower. And I, I think if I wouldn't have done that, I, I really don't know 
if I would still be alive because when I got to the hospital um, and, and kind of, you know, I went to the emergency room, checked in and I told them what had happened. And by the end of that visit there, like if, if you would have waited one more day, like you, we, we think you would have had a heart attack or a stroke and you wouldn't have been able to, to survive that. Hmm. So, wow. And so the doctors do their tests and they discover something you know, much worse than just a little bit of out of breath, you actually have this cancer diagnosis, right? Yep. Yep. And so, uh, originally when I went in there, uh, you know, in the emergency room, they see all sorts of, you know, patients coming through with all different stuff going on. And so, uh, I think they were trying to kind of think on the bright side and be like, Oh, it, it's probably stress, anxiety, something like that. And I, I was like, no, this is not, I, I promise you, this is not. And so I kind of, pushed a little bit and I was like, can we just do some blood work? Can we do, cause my blood pressure was very high at this point. Mm. And it, it ended up that, you know, when I saw the numbers, it was like, I mean like extreme hypertension and it was, it was very, you know, that, that I think was the turning point where they were like, okay, we need to take, we need to look at this. And so sure enough, they did some stuff came back. I'm sure that was concerning to them. We went in for an x-ray and I saw the x-ray, didn't really know what I was looking at, but the doctor was like, oh yeah, you see this, uh, this, this shadow right here? Me and my wife were like, yeah. And he was like, well, that's not supposed to be there. And so we didn't know what we were looking at. We were like, oh, okay, yeah, we could, sure. And he was like, so we're going we're gonna to take you in for a CT scan now. And I think at that point, it kind of started to hit me. Um, but when it really set in was when the nurse that had checked me in and taken my vitals and everything came in, you know, I, I'd been there for five hours at this point. And he was like, Hey, um, you know, we're, we're thinking about you, we're praying for you. And we just really hope you get through this. And I'm and still hadn't know, told you that you have cancer yet. Right. Right. And wow. so I, like I said, I, I guess, you know, looking back now, the x-ray that we saw was, you know, a, cantaloupe sized tumor that was in my chest but we had no idea exactly what we were looking at like I said and so that kind of like put it in perspective and you know shortly after that I you know had to get a specialized EMT crew to take me over to uh, Greenville Memorial which is our bigger local hospital um, in Greenville and uh, that kind of put it in perspective too that they had to have a specialized staff that was trained particularly in cardiac arrest so that if I did have a heart attack on the way there, you know, that they could hopefully revive me. And, and it turned out that I had uh, blood clots all through my, you know, right around my heart. Mm. Um, the tumor was pushing on my heart and my lungs and created a fluid buildup around my heart, which is what was really concerning to them. And uh, my, my windpipe was, being pushed on and so it was only open about 15 or 20 percent at max capacity so that's why you were having trouble breathing <laughs> yeah, for one yeah. minute outside right yes yes wow wow so walk me through before we get into how it's how you went through it and doing the chemo and coming out of it i'm just mm -hmm. thinking about the discussions you're having with your wife and sort of the 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 role faith plays, we know faith plays a big role in your life anyways, because we've had you on and you've shared that, but mm -hmm. that's when it really gets tested. It's easy yeah. for you and me to say, I believe in Jesus and things are great and he's my savior, but it's when the rubber hits the road, right? It's when those moments when you're 
being told that if you have waited one more day, you might not be here. That's when you start to say, okay, God, you know, what's going on here? What were those conversations like with both your wife and even, I guess, with God? I think it took me a little while to process through everything. Um, as you know, when you get big news like that, it, it naturally takes a little bit. Yeah. And so I think what I didn't realize at the time, and you know, my wife told me like a month and a half ago, actually, she was like, Oh yeah, when you left, they actually, uh, you know, gave me a funeral packet. And we, I was just like, what? Wow. And so that sparked a whole different conversation, you know, later on, but you know, kind of knowing that now, I think it kind of, I can see how that, like in some of our conversations really was, you know, you, you have to face the mortality aspect of life and to know that ultimately like our time here is very short. And so I think a lot of kind of the conversations I had with my wife was a lot about that. It was, how do we make the most out of this time? What are we supposed to learn from it? And, and ultimately just trusting like, and trying to encourage each other to, um, you know, keep a, keep a, I guess a God's eye view on everything that no matter what happens in this, something is going to come out of it and, and God's going to use that for good. And so the verse that, you know, I constantly, uh, clung to and and helped me and I think in turn helped her through you know just dealing with everything was Genesis 50 20 and that's uh what you intended for harm God used for good and so my that was my mindset going through all of this and 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 I I very firmly believe that God planted that verse in my mind because I remember being uh in the ambulance going to the hospital and just something in me was just like I'm going to use this for good I'm going to use this for good and so I had a lot of time, you know, for those first couple of days in the hospital room uh, by myself because of COVID protocols and stuff, visitors were kind of limited. And so it was, it was an emotional time um, in a lot of senses, because I think that, you know, I'm, I'm processing through exactly what's happening. I'm 28 years old and I just got told that I have cancer and it, it's a lot to kind of take in. And I felt a lot of comfort from God through everything, not just in the sense of everything is going to be okay, but I'm here with you. And I, I, the last few years, there's been a lot of, you know, ups and downs and lefts and rights, and it's been a, a wild time. And, you know, it, it always just kind of felt like there was some uh, resistance, you know, when, when me and my wife would kind of gain traction with something, it felt like there was just a lot of pushback and, um, honestly kind of felt like the enemy was really honed in on us and we had a lot of I think clarity through this happening just that God was there that those things might have been happening and there was pushback there was difficulty but at the end of the day like he's he's in control of everything and ultimately like he's he's going to do what he's going to do and, and, and it may not make sense to us but somehow it's going to be revealed to us, whether it's now, whether it's, you know, after we pass on and, and we know when we're in heaven, what that looks like. But um, I think ultimately, like, that's really what we saw through it more than anything is that he's good. And even when bad things happen, good things are going to come out of it. When you got to that point where he's good and something good could come out of this, um, were there moments before that where you said, why God? Like, just allow yourself to be angry at him, not question him, but just mm -hmm. to be angry at him. Did you have those moments or was it really not 
did you not allow yourself to go to that place? Um, there, I, I don't know if angry would be the right word. I think I was kind of overwhelmed by it because it was more, more than anger. It was kind of that it was, why is this happening? Mm. And it wasn't, it wasn't an, an out of a place of anger where like, I can't believe you would do this to me. It was like, no, like I, I genuinely want to know because I don't understand this. And looking back at it now, even just being a little bit removed from it, you know, I, you can kind of see those things and how this was kind of used to impact a lot of ways. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's just walking with God for a while or if really just he was very gracious and allowing, you know, just me to kind of have a, a clear focus on that. But I didn't really feel those senses of anger. It was just as soon as it kind of happened, I just felt him come in and say, like, I'm here with you. I got you. Like, we're going to get through this and, and it, it's going to be OK. Um, but that doesn't take away from you know, just the, the emotion of it all, the, the sadness, the, how am I going to do this? What is this going to look like? Like there was a lot of, a, a lot of fear, I think for the future in terms of, you know, before treatment and everything started and I heard all that stuff, I was sitting in the hospital each day thinking, am I going to see tomorrow? Right. And what, what's it going to look like, you know, with my family, with my wife. And so they were really heavy conversations, really heavy thoughts. And it was just a very, uh, very sobering kind of few days to, to realize like life's fragile and we have to make the most of it each day while we can. We've got more coming up with David Hess. And as I think about so far, the emotional aspect of this and how we process things, news like this, and I don't know about you, but you know, when something health threatening arrives, uh, what do we think? And, and David is really transparent about the thoughts that he had and the feelings that he had, you know, the, the fear, um, not knowing whether he'd live till tomorrow and yet grounded in his faith that governed how he responded to the situation. And the drama has just started in David and his wife's life. And we're going to get back to that. Uh, before we go back, just let you know, if, uh, you're interested in receiving the fresh bread for fresh faith devotional, Go ahead and click the link in the show notes and you'll get it every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday morning to start your day. Let's go back to the interview with David Hess. David Hess is our guest here on Sports Spectrum. He's a pitcher with Tampa Bay Rays organization. Um, Cantaloupe-sized tumor. And I started thinking when I heard that, it's like four baseballs, right? It's like yeah. the size of my face, right? When you think about yeah. it with your hand, that's that's really, really big. And it made me think, that just doesn't come overnight, right? Like that thing is probably growing months before, I don't know, maybe even longer. And yet there was never even a thought to try and locate it uh, mm-hmm. with it being there, right? When you were when you were pitching in 2021, yeah, you were like short of breath a couple of times, but the idea isn't, oh yeah, there's a giant cantaloupe sized tumor <laughs> yeah. growing in my chest, right? It wasn't, that wasn't yep. even the thought. So when, when we first sat down with the oncologist and kind of went over that, he said the, the dimensions of it were 15 centimeters by 13 centimeters by 11, which okay. he used the cantaloupe as a reference, but that's essentially like almost eight inches tall, a little over six inches wide, and then about five and a half inches deep. So it's like, it's it, it was, it, yeah, it, it was pretty hefty. Um, but he explained how the reason I didn't feel it 
as much as you would think is because there's so much empty space in our chest cavity. Mm. And so he said, this, this has been growing. He said, I, I feel pretty confident saying that it's been growing for a few years because wow. just the sheer size of it, like you were saying. And so it just, I, I think, you know, the, the openness that's inside just in how much that was able to kind of expand without really impacting too much. I mean, looking back, you know, in hindsight, we could see all sorts of stuff that was going on, even, even, you know, little small things. Like I remember it started like three years ago, which is ironically right at the beginning of all this. I remember I I would tell my wife, like, Oh, I feel like my chest needs to pop. And she was like, chests don't need to pop. (laughs) And I was like, I I don't know what to tell you. Mine does. And so it it was starting to kind of, you know, like I said, it's just a gradually like, slow growing thing um but you know like Mm. i said hindsight you can look back and see all these things but in real time it was so gradual that you just you know i I, like you said i never would have guessed that that's what was happening inside of me yeah it's funny when you follow when you announce the news and i want to ask you about something with that announcement in a second you know that was october of 2021 and then Mm -hmm. you're pretty open on social media about going through your treatments and even putting pictures of yourself, uh, cleanly shaven, we'll say, you know, bald in the head, <laughs> losing the facial yep. hair. And I commented yep. on your facial hair before we started. I'm like, it's good to see you with a beard. And you mentioned how that was the hardest part was having to shave off that beard. But you you were going through it with chemo during this time as well. Uh, what was that experience like? I mean, you're 28. 28 year old shouldn't be going through chemo, but neither should kids. And kids go through it as well mm-hmm. in different places just what was that experience like? I'm, I'm guessing it's not pleasant, but I am always wondering, you know, based upon what the diagnosis was and what the doctors had told you, what, cause you're, you're in a good place now. And we're going to talk about mm-hmm. that good place in a second, but that's a, that's quite the winter, you know, that you're having kind of yeah. that, that chemo. Yeah. Um, I mean, chemo is every bit as difficult as people say it is, you know, it's, it's difficult from a physical standpoint. It's different from kind of an emotional and a mental standpoint, because, you know, there were a lot of times that I would look in the mirror and just feel like a completely different person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not to, I mean, the, the particular type of treatment I was on had, you know, for one week out of the three week cycle, it was a lot of fluids being pumped into me. So I just looked like, you know, a swelled up balloon that just, you know, I just, you don't feel good about yourself when you look in the mirror as much. And then just, you know, it just sucks your energy. Um, At one point I was telling somebody the other day, my immune system, like, wasn't just not working. It was literally not there. Like my white blood cell count was zero. Wow. So even just like a little common cold, they said, you need to be really careful because like it could put you in the hospital and have you fighting for your life. And so it, it was a, it was a challenge. Um, it was something, you know, just knowing that nine weeks, like I, I kind of got the preface going into it. Like we're, we're going to hit this thing hard. And my oncologist said that it was an aggressive treatment. He said, but you're young. We know we can knock this out. Like we're going to go in and there's going to be times where it's going to be awful. Like you're just going to want to stop. And he said, we just got to keep going and just keep in, keep in sight that, we get to the end of this, like, I feel very confident that you're going to come out on the other side and everything's going to be okay. So that helped out a lot. Was this something that you talked about that could be, you talked about using this for good, 
right? Mm -hmm. Did you see this as an opportunity to tell others about Christ? Like, did you see it in that light where this could be a testimony that you'd be able to share and more people are willing to hear about Christ when it's somebody who's going through a tragic event like yourself, you know, or a difficult Mm -hmm. time like yourself. Did you see that as that opportunity? Yeah, yeah. Um, There's no question that I think you know, something like this. And that, that, that's the good of it all ultimately is not just did, you know, God get me through this and use this as an opportunity to share the gospel, but just a reminder each day that the gospel is real and it applies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I actually have uh, a tattoo of Galatians two twenty. That's my favorite verse. And it's such a daily reminder to me that, you know, each day, you know, as the verse says, like we're crucified with Christ. And being able to, you know, be around the people that I am now, just being able to be back in baseball. And, you know, I've had countless conversations with people because they ask the same thing. They're like, how did you get through it? And I'm like, man, like God's good. He cares and he loves us. And I get to kind of, you know, work that conversation into ultimately like sharing that, you know, God loves you. Like he cares for you and he wants the best for you, but ultimately he wants a relationship with you more than anything else. Mm. And so it's just, it's, it's something I remember telling my wife, there was one day in particular, I had just gotten home before I, from the hospital, I hadn't started treatment. And I was just like, I mean, I, I just had completely like collapsed in the room, not, not physically. Like I just, I was you know, cry. I was, I was really emotional. She came in and she was like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And I was like, honestly, like I'm, I'm way better than I think I should be right now. And that's what I don't understand through this. So I was like, I just, I, I related in a lot of ways, you know, in the old Testament with how Moses is and how David is. And a lot of the people that were used in that, I'm like, I'm, I'm just a, a person. I'm just a, 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 you know, a broken, like imperfect person and God's using this crazy thing and just this experience. And I know that this is going to be used to, to win people to him for the kingdom. And Hmm. that in itself was such a humbling thing, but so exciting because like now, anytime I forget that, like I said, that, that tattoo is on the inside of my arm and it it brings a whole uh, different element you know, to that verse and the context of that. And so just to kind of be able to use that and use this for uh, just, I mean, the ultimate glory of God, like that's, that's what it all comes down to. And then you get the notice from the doc. You're clear. Good. That must've been the best day, right? That was, so I went in for my scan. um, When was that by the way, just to give people an idea this January? It was the, the end of January. Um, so the big question, you know, spring training was coming up because I was on a minor league deal. And so I knew that I would be able to report if I was cleared. And, uh, the big question was, you know, depending how this scan goes, that's going to determine whether or not I get to go to spring training and kind of start that revamp process. And so I had the picture of the PET scan, you know, the initial one and what everything looked like. And obviously, you know, the, the tumors, you know, lots of bright colors, not what you want on a PET scan. Mm -hmm. And so I go in, get the scan and and my my oncologist texts me that day. And he sent me a picture of the scan. And he said that, you know, he was encouraged, but he wanted to talk, check with some other doctors about their opinion on it. He said there were a couple of things that were giving him hesitation. 
So I'm looking at this scan, not, I'm not a doctor. And I see this, you know, bright blue thing sitting in the same spot that the tumor is. So I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like Hmm. this isn't gone. And at that point I didn't know, I, I, (laughs) it was kind of a sad day because we were looking at this man, my wife, and we're like, so what, I mean, am I going to have to have surgery? Am I going to have to do radiation? What's this going to look like? So it was a little bit of a sad night because we were anticipating that news the next day. And so I walked into the appointment. He's like, so um, you ready to get to work? And I was like, get to work on what? I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you're clear. He was like, there's one little, you know, one or two little spots that we're going to keep an eye on that, you know, I still see a little something. He said, that's what was giving me the hesitation. So he was like, I can't say that, you know, you're, you're, you know, hundred percent cancer free, but he said, you're, you're in the clear as far as I'm concerned. And as far as the other experts in this are concerned, like you're good to go. Mm. And I, and we just kind of sat there for a second. We're like, what? <laughs> and so we told him like why we had that reaction and, and he pulled it up and he was like, oh yeah. He, he was like, I see what you're talking. He was like, that's your heart. He was like, it was, it was more, it's now working properly the way it should be. And it was so, like the way I didn't know this, but the way PET scans are, the, the colors indicate blood flow. Mm. And so my heart was being cut off from so much blood flow because of the, the way the tumor was and the blood clots and everything that that it didn't even really pop up on the initial scan. And so he thought it was the funniest thing in the world because he was <laughs> like, I probably should have prefaced it with that. And I was like, yeah. yeah, cause we had a little bit of a long day yesterday, but I mean, we walked out of there and, and I mean the whole way home, I don't know that we could really even like get a smile off our face. Cause we were like, we, we did it. We got through this. Well, obviously we're all going to be cheering you on this year. And, uh, I hope there's a day this year when you're standing on a major league mound and you can kind of get that opportunity to point all glory to God and, and to mm-hmm. have this opportunity to, to pitch in a major league game again, which you've done a few times already. Uh, my last question, and we talked about this, but when you posted publicly about this diagnosis in October, you closed your post. I think it was on Instagram and Twitter. And you said this, this is just the beginning of a great story God is going to use for his glory. Um, by the way, a little Dr. Seuss there in the way that you rhymed that, that was well done. And maybe that wasn't intentional, David. Uh, I did not intend I didn't, for that I didn't all. think so, but uh, story and glory rhyme. Uh, but yeah. when you think about those words, that this is a great story, just the beginning that God is going to use for his glory. When you think about where you are now in the spring of 2022, what do those words mean looking back five, six months ago, whatever it was? Mm-hmm. I... I still carry a lot of that with me, even right now. Um, I know that, you know, like you said, putting that up and being here, this is a huge step in that direction. But, you know, hopefully, you know, obviously nobody knows exactly what's going to happen on day to day life, but getting to carry that each and every day and know that each day is a new page in that story and making the most out of that, knowing that ultimately, yes, God is going to use it for his glory, but he's chosen us to, to be the embodiment of that story. Um, it, it's such a, such a great thing to be able to walk each day with and, and just to wake up and know that, you know, that, that purpose and that meaning is there and just to continue, continue going with it and to see where I'm at right now, knowing where I was when I wrote that, you know, 
five or six months ago that it's 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 very humbling it's very exciting and to know that in five or six months you'll have a different testimony than you have right now Mm -hmm. and five or six months after that you'll have a different testimony that's the beauty of of how god works and i'm looking forward to kind of seeing how this journey goes for you and for Devin, because you you mentioned mm-hmm. we a few times, we did it, we got through it. It's not yeah. just you, it's really the team of people that are around you and surround you and love you and certainly your wife being a big part of that. So thanks, yeah. buddy. I'm so glad to hear the news. I'm so glad you were able to come back on and just wish you nothing but the best. And uh, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you again to Jason Romano and Sports Spectrum for letting me steal this interview with David Hess. Can you see why I wanted you to hear it? And why I encourage you to check out the Sports Spectrum podcast. Sports fans, you'll love it. Even if you're not a sports fan, there's so many human interest stories in there. I encourage you to check it out. I've said it twice already in this podcast. My goal is to help a million believers know the Christ of the cross. And with Fresh Faith in Real Life, we feature guests who exercise knowing Christ in all kinds of circumstances. Well, David's story is breathtaking. I asked earlier uh, about podcasts and for you to recommend one or more to me that help you in your walk with Christ. I don't just listen to Christian podcasts. I got some other things I listen to and other interests I have. And and so, but I want to hear yours of, are, are there some out there that you listen to that say, ah, this really draws me closer to Jesus. They encourage me on my walk with Christ. So what podcast do you listen to that encourage your walk with Christ? Go ahead and email me. I've got a link in my show notes, but if you can remember this email address, then it'll get to me too. John at freshfaith247.com. That's J-O-N at freshfaith247.com. I really want to hear and put this list together and share it with our listeners. And if you hear an interview that you're saying, man, this this is life-changing. This has really drawn me to Christ. If you hear an interview on another podcast, let me know. I, I'm not above stealing interviews from other podcasts, of course, with uh, with permission granted, like Jason at Sports Spectrum did in this episode. Hey, remember to claim your fresh bread for Fresh Faith devotionals. You sign up with the link in the show notes or at freshfaith247.com. And if you'd like to try out our Fresh Faith 24-7 membership, you can. We have a free trial going at freshfaith247.com. One of the things we do is live devos every Monday and Thursday morning. You can join me to start the day live. So go for it, freshfaith247.com. So as we close here, just uh, these thoughts Whether you're on top of the world or things have come to a crashing halt, remember that the secret to life is knowing Jesus. Lean into him and get to know your Savior more deeply every day. I'll talk to you next week.